On this Christmas weekend, we come aside for a, a while, a short while, to study a little more from Jude. This is the last Sunday of this old year. And may we all learn to trust God and walk more by faith daily throughout 2017. I believe, as we look around our world, that the return of our Lord for his church is imminent. That the time is short. May we be found, each one, working as a good ambassador for our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ day by day during 2017 redeeming the time to his glory and praise Amen Well we'll, I'm going to read a few verses again from Jude chapter 10 Starting again with verse 13. Jude, verse 13. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out of their own shame, wandering stars, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these that's of these false teachers saying behold the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But, beloved, Remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there would be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. Very clear that mm. ungodliness is going to be one of the the signposts which we will see as the world gets worse and worse. And just to remind ourselves of what we said last week, or as we said, the story so far. The story of the times in which Jude was living, and the warnings he gives for us today. The story of his life and times, which unfortunately we are seeing being repeated all around us in Christendom and in churches today. And sadly, it will not improve, as Jude points out. But these events of which we speak are but the birth pains of the coming great 
tribulation, the harbingers of great trouble. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Those words spoken by our Lord in Matthew 24 and verse 21. And elsewhere, especially in Revelation, some may tell you that these events occurred in the destruction of the temple which happened in AD 70. But that just doesn't make sense. Of course, that was a bad time. But we have seen times uh, since that which perhaps were even worse than that period in AD 70. John writing to the book of Revelation, all written after AD 70. All John's books, his gospel, his epistles, and especially the book of Revelation, were all written well after AD 70. 70. Now, it is important to remember that all truly born-again believers will be taken away from this old sinful world before this great tribulation breaks forth in all its terribleness. In Daniel 12, in verses 1 to 3, we have words spoken by Daniel which were very similar to those spoken by our Lord Jesus Christ. So we'll read Daniel 12 from verse 1. Ezekiel, Daniel and verse 1 of chapter 12. At that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars for ever and ever. Now it is important, as I said, to remember that born again believers will have left this earth before the great tribulation breaks forth. Now we read that passage from Daniel. At that time, shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, Israel. 
the book of Daniel is written by Daniel and it consists of God's plans for his people, Israel. There should be a time of trouble, such as never once since there was a nation even to that time. And at that time, thy people, thy people, shall be delivered every one that shall be found written in the book. Who are Daniel's people? Israel, of course. They were then in captivity in Babylon. And this prophecy refers solely and totally to them. The church was not revealed to Daniel. What book is spoken of here, whose names were in the book? The answer, I think, could be in Malachi 3 and verse 16 and 17. Malachi, way forward to the last book of the Old Testament. Shouldn't be any difficulty finding it. Those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. And the Lord gave attention and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who esteem his name. They will be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I prepare my own possession. And I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Lovely words that. They will be mine, says the Lord of hosts. Those who fear the Lord and treat his name with esteem. And then the passage continues in Daniel's prophecy. It says, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars for ever and ever. Now, people may tell you that this is a picture of the resurrection, a general resurrection, where the righteous and the lost will be judged. Surely it is obvious. Some go to everlasting life, and some go to shame and everlasting contempt. There you have the two resurrections, and it's set out very clearly. But this passage, if you read it carefully, refers only to God's people, to Israel. Daniel is firmly faced with the situation that concerns his people. Now there are those who also regard that, yes, this is in the future, but then they go on to say that it must be taken spiritually and must be interpreted as the church, 
that Daniel here is speaking of the church or God's people now. But first, it is enough to answer that we have in the book of Daniel a long prophecy which was ushered in by the angel to Daniel and the positive announcement that it was what should befall his people in the end times. And that excludes anything to do with the church. Now observe throughout the prophecy of Daniel that none but Jews are spoken of as the object of God's interest in them at that particular time. The Holy Land, as it is called, and some of the conflicts around that area are the subjects dealt with in Daniel's prophecy. Incidentally, under Christianity, or the, the, the this age in which we live now, there's no such thing as a holy land. We do not regard one place as being more sacred than another. Now that the full light of the gospel has come in, we don't have one piece of land as being holy and another bit as not being holy. God has a special purpose in the land which he gave to his chosen people Israel. Nowadays we hear much talk about sacred places, sanctified ground and holy buildings or as the two main churches around speak about holy water. We don't know of such things in biblical Christianity. The Jews are at present scattered throughout many nations and countries. They have before them a time of great trouble. And that trouble will affect the world in a great tribulation. Zechariah 12 refers us to the time when our Lord shall return to recover his scattered people. Turn to Zechariah chapter 12. Zechariah 12. We'll start reading from the first verse. The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, saith the Lord, in which stretcheth forth the heavens and layeth the foundation of the earth and formeth the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about, when they shall be in the siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. You know, we only have to look at the news every day. Just yesterday, the United Nations voted against Israel for building on what they call occupied land. And America, who normally would have boycotted that vote and 
not voted and had it uh, put down. Instead, they voted for this resolution. And so the United Nations have issued a, an order to Israel to stop building on the land which God has given them. So things are beginning to hot up in the fight Israel has against the rest of the world. It says, In that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. In that day, said the Lord, I will smite every horse with astonishment, and his rider with madness, and I will open mine eyes upon the house of Judah, and will smite every horse of the people with blindness. And the governors of Judah shall say in their heart, The inhabitants of Jerusalem shall be my strength in the Lord of hosts their God. In that day I will make the governors of Judah like an hearth of fire among the wood, and like a torch of fire in a sheaf. And they shall devour all the people round about, on the right hand and on the left. And Jerusalem shall be inhabited again, in her own place, even in Jerusalem. The Lord also shall save the tents of Judah first, that the glory of the house of David and of the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem, do not magnify themselves against Judah. In that day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and he that is feeble among them at that day shall be as David, and the house of David shall be as God, as the angel of the Lord before them. And it shall come to pass in that day, that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him, as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. In that day there shall be a great mourning in Jerusalem, as the mourning of Hadan Rimmon in the valley of Megiddo. In that day, in that day when God shall send his son once again to this earth. And we read that wonderful description a few weeks ago of Christ coming on a white horse and his army following him on white horses, coming to bring judgment on this earth. Let's also look at Ezekiel 20. Ezekiel chapter 20. Please turn to Ezekiel 20. I'll abbreviate 
from verses 33 to 42. But when you have a chance at home, read Ezekiel 20, verses 33 to 42. Another example of God's interest in Israel. I will abbreviate it from verses 33 to 42. But when you go home, read the full passage, Ezekiel 20, 33 to 42. It's another example of God's great interest in Israel. I will bring you out from the people and will gather you out of the countries wherein ye are scattered with a mighty hand and with a stretched out arm and with fury poured out. And I will bring you into the wilderness of the people and there will I plead with you face to face. And I will purge out from among you the rebels, and them that transgress against me. And ye shall know that I am the Lord, when I shall bring you into the land of Israel, into the country for which I lifted up mine hand to give it to your fathers. He swore in an oath that this land, would always be Israel's land. And this passage is totally dealing with Israel. There are two classes of people who have been gathered out from among the nations. They'll be gathered out. The dust of the earth, it says. Some shall arise to light and some shall arise to eternal damnation. Both are regarded as sleeping in the dust, but awaiting a trumpet sound. Read Matthew 24, verse 31. Matthew 24, verse 31. And remembering... God's elect are Israel. And he shall send forth his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds. From one end of heaven to the other. And so this passage in Daniel has nothing to do with any resurrection. It's rather the resettling of Israel into their own land. And it will be a time of great tribulation throughout the world. But we've strayed away from Jude. So let's get back to Jude verse 13. And Enoch also. The seventh from Adam prophesied of these. Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints. This is the time that we're speaking about in those passages in Daniel and Ezekiel. And they come to execute judgment, 
to execute judgment. Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied of these things, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. And so we have Enoch, the seventh man from Adam. And he prophesied these things. You know, we don't know an awful lot about Enoch. I think all in all in scriptures there are about 11 mentions of him. But what we do know about him is sufficient for us to copy and to follow. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him Genesis 5 24 and that's about the sum of Enoch's life that we know with a few little bits here and there he walked with God and as he he was not for God took him Few people we read in scripture who walked with God. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And you know both these men. Something very exciting happened to both of them. Because they walked with God. Enoch walked with God. And somebody has said, and he walked along with God, and one day God said, Don't, you're not going home today, you're going to come with me. And God took him to glory. He translated him to glory. Because he walked with him. God knew him. And he took him. Noah was much the same. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And because Noah walked with God, the earth was not destroyed. The flood came, the people were destroyed, but Noah and his family were saved. Why? Because he walked with God. We just do not realize what might happen to you or to me and what he will do with our lives and where we will end up just because we walk with God. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And the voice we hear as we tarry there, none other has ever known. God will speak to you personally. In Sardis, one of the churches in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 3, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 
3 to 5. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. Hold fast to what you have received. As we read God's word, hold fast to it. Don't let it just slip through your fingers. If therefore thou shalt not watch, so we have to hold fast and we have to watch. Be careful. Be on the alert for attacks. Jesus said, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments. Only a few people in the whole church who had not defiled their garments, who had walked with God. And they shall walk with me in white, in purity, for they are worthy. Wouldn't it be a lovely thing if God could say, I can walk with him because I am worthy. Can we say that? May God help us. Now back to Enoch. In the book of Hebrews, we read another little bit about this man, Enoch. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5. By faith. Now if you read through chapter 11 in Hebrews, it's the book, it's like a roll of honour of all the wonderful people in the Old Testament who walked by faith. The way we should walk our lives day by day. But it says, we come to verse 5, chapter 11 in Hebrews, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death. And he was not found. People couldn't find him. Where's Enoch? He didn't come home for his tea. God had translated him. Because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony. Before God took him, what about this fellow Enoch? Do you know him? Yes, he pleases God. That's what made the difference. That's why God took him. He pleased God. You know, he's probably the first prophet that we know about. The first prophet in the Old Testament. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and then he prophesied. We don't know of that prophecy in the Old Testament but we know about him prophesying in our passage which we're reading today. Verse 14 
And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied to, of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all. And that's as true today as it was when Enoch spoke it thousands of years ago. And the amazing thing in this, of course, is that he's prophesied something which many today do not believe, but which bears all the authority of God. He's coming to execute judgment upon all. The Lord is coming and he will execute judgment. People don't believe these things. I had an email the other day. There was a little kid looking up at the sky and he was saying perhaps they are not stars in the sky but rather openings where our loved ones shine down to let us know they are happy. That's the kind of mentality which is going round today. Everybody's happy even when we die. Most people believe that. All life has a happy ending. Go to any funeral. Now, I'm quite old and have visited, I suppose, dozens of funeral services. I have yet to hear that the soul of the deceased is anywhere except in heaven. To reinforce this happy feeling, usually there is a commendation to God by the vicar or priest or whoever, making a commendation to God on behalf of the deceased. How can any human, a so-called priest who should know better, or anyone else, make any commendation? To a holy God. Especially when the deceased has already been dead. For at least seven or eight days. And one's destiny has already been determined. As long as their eyes. As long as their eyes closed. In death. After that. No prayers. No recommendations. Nothing will make any difference it is no wonder that one reads of teenagers and others having their bodies frozen only to be raised to life at some future date big business has moved in and Jesus said and Jesus said narrow is the way to life and few there be that find it. 
Obviously, churches do not agree with our Lord and Saviour. I challenged the vicar once about these commendations, and he said it provided comfort to the relatives, and then changed his mind when he realised what he had said. Jude's message was one of coming judgment. And our message for the ungodly today is exactly the same. Judgment is assured. So prepare to meet thy God. A few weeks ago we read of that awesome description of Christ coming with his army to fight for Israel at the Battle of Armageddon. With his accompanying army all on white horses, accompanied also by his church, when he will defeat his enemies and set up his millennium kingdom and will reign in justice and strength. You can read the description of Christ coming on his white horse in Revelation chapter 19, from verse 11. May we spend our time on earth in a way worthy of our Lord and Master. Amen.